Good evening, everyone. It is wonderful to be with you. I'm, I'm always glad you're here, and there's always other things you could be doing, but rainy and sick and MotCon, and I'm, I'm, I thank you. I know there's a lot of other ways you could be spending your time tonight, so I appreciate you being here. It's, uh, it's a joy to get to worship together, isn't it? It's a joy to get to be in a room that's filled up with voices of the saints. That's really, really good. So uh, I'm really thankful for you guys. We're, we're continuing the series that we're doing this semester called Questions from Jesus. And each week we're looking at, at a different question that Jesus asks, sometimes to a group of people, sometimes to an individual, sometimes to his best friends, his disciples like we see tonight, sometimes to total strangers. And we're doing that because when Jesus asks questions, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to let him ask us these questions. He always reveals something about us, and he always invites us to something in him. And we're going to see that again tonight. And the question tonight is, why are you so afraid? And so I kind of want you to take a second here at the beginning to... <coughs> To prepare your heart to think about your fears. To prepare your heart to think about the places in your life that are, are so chaotic that they're leading you to a place uh, of anxiety and fear. Jesus actually calls us to face those things. And his question is going to reveal those things in us, but he's going to be calling us into life in him. He's going to be calling us into joy in him. So I hope we'll see that tonight. We're looking at the end of, of Mark 4. This is a, a, a well-known passage Many of you will be familiar with this. this is Jesus calming the storm. Jesus has been teaching all day. He's been standing by the Sea of Galilee all day teaching and telling his favorite kinds of stories. They're called parables. And at the end of this day, as evening comes, it's getting dark, and he tells his disciples to get into the boat, and that's where we pick up. So we're in, starting in verse 35 through the end of Mark 4. It would be great if you had it in front of you, if you have your Bible, or it's printed on the back of your handout. From Mark 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Pray with me and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of tonight. Thank you in the midst of a, of a busy week, in the midst of a dreary week, that you call us to meet with you and you meet with us and you remind us again of your love that seeks us out even when we're lost and doesn't ever give up until it finds us. Pray that we would experience that more and more tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be at work through this word so that we might Love you more and love one another. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you like scary movies? No. <laughs> the kind of movies that are intended to frighten you? I, I do not. I do not. But I remember the first movie that really scared me. It's a, a movie that came out in 1989 called Little Monsters. Has anyone seen Little Monsters? Uh, it's about this little boy named Brian. And I think Brian is probably about, about 9 or 10 years old. And in the story, there's these monsters that uh, come out from under your bed. And uh, Brian actually befriends the monster that comes out from under his bed. 
and he goes in through the, sort of like the magic portal under his bed and has all these shenanigans where he like invades other kids' rooms and scares them as a good time. Spoiler alert, he starts to turn into a monster, so be careful. This is sort of like the pre-Upside Down. You know, before there was the Upside Down, there was Little Monsters. And uh, this movie terrified me as an eight-year-old. Terrified me. And I was convinced that under my bed, in my room at home, was a dark door into a world of monsters and fear. And so I, I, I got a pole, and uh, it was like a broomstick without the broom, and I figured out a way from my bed to open my bedroom door, push it open, and then I would stand in my bed and I would leap through the air into the hallway every time I left my room in the morning. Uh, so as to avoid like the inevitable scenario of stepping out of your bed and having a monster grab my ankles and pull me under, which I thought was going to happen. This, uh, this movie really, ter <laughs> really terrified me. I need to take a second here. Um, okay, I think I'm good. Uh, this is called an illogical fear. Okay? It's illogical because there's no monsters under my bed in actual real life. There were no monsters. It was a fear that I, I didn't need to have, but I saw, and we have, there's a lot of illogical fears. Uh, some people have a fear of flying, right? They think that if they're flying, they're going to die, whereas you, you probably know statistically that it's much more dangerous to drive from third year to the, to the parking deck than it is to fly an airplane in terms of what's most likely to kill you, okay? Uh, some of us have a, a fear of heights. So you could be in the top of a, of a skyscraper, with, with an inch-thick pane of glass that you couldn't shoot through with a gun, and you're terrified that you're going to fall. It makes no sense, right? You're actually safe. Uh, arachnophobia, the name of a scary movie from the late 80s, is about this fear of spiders. Who's scared of spiders? Spiders are no threat to you. They're just most likely not going to hurt you, okay? Um, again, it's much more dangerous to get in your car than to pick up a spider, okay? There, there's all these fears that we have that are illogical. Now, these are still real, right? They still cause us panic and tension and anxiety and fear. They're still real, but they're, they're not based on anything true. Uh, one of the difficult things about living in the world is that you, you've got all these illogical fears that aren't based on anything real, but there's other things in our lives that are legitimately scary. There's other things in our lives that are, are legitimately risky and dangerous and harmful. There's other things in our life that are legitimately chaotic, that legitimately lead us into unknown and uncontrollable spaces and feelings. And, and some of you guys are, are feeling these kind of things. In fact, all of us are feeling these kinds of fears uh, all the time. Some of you are, are dealing with uh, brokenness and, and drama and pain in relationships that's leading you into, in, into a feeling of, of uncontrollability and unknown that, that causes you fear. Some of you are, are panicking right now because you are afraid that, you know, your state delegation is going to be the one that cost WNL the whole thing. And alumni will always remember MockCon 2020 when this slacker class let everyone down. I'm not predicting it. It's not a prediction. It's a research project. Um, some of you are, are just busting it in school, like busting it, and, and you're doing that because you're purely motivated by, by fear. Fear of failure, fear of letting down your parents, fear of not succeeding, not getting to the top. We have these fears of things that, that can actually happen. Some of you are, are thinking about relationships, someone you like. You're afraid of what will happen if you tell them. You're afraid of what will happen if you don't tell them. We have fear all this. Some, some of you have, have been through really painful things, really traumatic things, really difficult things in your lives, and, and they fill you with this fear of wondering, like, what does this mean about me? Am I ever going to feel normal again? 
we actually live in fear all the time. And one of the things that, that you are trained to do at a, at a place like Washington and Lee is to try to deny that you're afraid, to try to act courageous, to try to act brave, to try to act like you can handle anything. But the reality is that you're in situations all the time that you can't control. Your situations all the time that are, that are chaotic and that are, are dangerous. Where, where are you struggling with fear? Where are you experiencing fear in your life? If, if you hear one thing tonight, here's what I want you to hear, is that if you feel afraid in your life, it's okay. Jesus is not disappointed in you for being afraid. In fact, he knows that you are, and he loves you so much that he's inviting you to bring your fears to him so that you might enjoy the comfort of his love and his presence. We, we've said that Jesus' questions and his question tonight is, why are you so afraid to his disciples when they wake him up in the boat? His questions always reveal something in us and they always invite us to something in him. So what we're going to see tonight is that the, his question reveals our fear, but it invites us to entrust our fears to him. It reveals our fear and it invites us to trust our fears to him. So, so the first thing is that Jesus' question reveals our fears. The, the disciples here are scared, and the reason they are scared is because they're in a really scary situation. They're, they're in a boat, and this is, not a, this is not a cruise ship, okay? This is not a boat with, like, thrust stabilizers meant for the high seas. This is a small, made-by-hand wooden fishing boat with a little wooden sail and some oars, and they go out into the boat in, in, into the night. It's evening, so it's getting dark, and a storm comes up, which means it was cloudy, so it's pitch dark. There's no light pollution 2,000 years ago. They're in the middle of a body of water with no light at nighttime in a storm. You ever been stuck out in the water in the dark? Has that happened to anybody? That's actually happened to me. So there's that, that feeling of disorientation, of not knowing what's going on. And the, and the situation itself is legitimately dangerous. The, the, you, can, you can sort of picture the, the wind is gusting, and you can hear the sound of it. And I don't know if it's raining and thundering and lightning. We're not told. It just as a storm comes up. But what we do know is that the waves start crashing into the boat. And so it's one of those things you can imagine. It's so dark, like you don't know when the next wave is going to come until it hits you because you can't see. And the waves are not just buffing the boat up and down and back and forth. They're crashing into it so that it's filling up with water. And you've got to remember that some of these guys, before Jesus called them, they're, they're professional fishermen. They know how to handle a boat. So when they panic, it's because they know they're in trouble. So you've got this disorientation. You've got this realization that you're in trouble. You've got this imagining, right? This is the thing that starts to happen. Man, I bet that water would be really cold to sink down underneath. I bet my eyes would sting with that salt. I, you, you, start to, you start to have all these, all these fears. See if Galley, probably not salt water. Think of my geography. And, you, and then this panic settles in. And eventually, their panic manifests in this, in this crying out to Jesus. Uh, do you have things in your life that bring you towards that kind of place of fear? The disorientation, not knowing what's going on, feeling out of control. The, the realization, oh, something actually is going wrong here, or could be going wrong here. Where you start to imagine all the bad scenarios that could unfold and then you start to panic. Do you, do you have places in your life that make you, draw you to a thing like that? I, I know you do. You tell me about them all the time. What are those places of fear for you? The weird part of this whole story is verse 38. All this is happening, and Jesus, it says this, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. 
Jesus is just taking a nap. And it can sort of seem uh, at first glance that Jesus is just aloof. Or maybe he's just a really good sleeper, you know. And, and I think there actually is this kind of beautiful thing going on here where Jesus, he's been working hard all day. He's been standing with crowds, teaching them, telling stories, answering their questions. He's, he's a real person, so he's worn out, right? But we have to remember that although Jesus is a real person, he's also really God, which means that Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And in fact, before he laid down to take this nap, he knew that this storm was going to come. And in fact, he's the orchestrator of storms. And I, I have the sense, and we're not told this, but I have the sense that, that Jesus sets this storm off. And maybe he set it in motion thousands of years before by the way he organized the mountains in that region. I don't know. But that he orchestrated this storm to put his disciples in a difficult, scary place because he wants to teach them what to do with their fears. There, there are times in our lives where the chaotic things that are happening to us that make us scared are, are caused uh, by brokenness or evil or sin in us or in somebody else. And then there's other times when the things in our lives that are chaotic, that God himself is leading us into them, these places of uncomfortability and tension and fear so that he can teach us what to do with our fears. And it really feels like that's what's happening with the disciples here. And so they cry out to him at the end of verse 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It, isn't that just how it feels when life is out of control? I, and I know not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but if, if you are, if you believe that there is a God who's in charge of the whole universe and he cares for you, when everything is going wrong, when you're in scary, dangerous situations, when you realize you might really be in trouble, doesn't it feel like, God, where are you? Do you even see me? Do you even care? That's what the disciples are feeling. And Jesus wakes up and power explodes out of him. And with his voice, he speaks to these whipping winds and these crashing waves. And in an instant, the wind dies clear as glass, flat lake in the Sea of Galilee. And he asks them this question in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? He's revealing their fear. Why are you so afraid? This question of Jesus forces us to, to reckon with and consider the places in our lives that are so chaotic that they're leading us into fear. But he also invites us in this question to entrust him with our fears. As, as, I've, as I've thought about this passage this week, as I've reflected on it, as I've read about it, as I've prayed about it, uh, my, my thoughts have shifted because at first I had the feeling like Jesus was, was rebuking his disciples. And there's a lot of times as you read through the, through the Gospels where Jesus' disciples seem sort of not to get it. Like they, they don't remember who he is. They don't remember what he can do. And that's sort of what I thought was happening here. And it's if, uh, I, what, I, what I thought before is that Jesus is saying something like, why did you wake me up? If you had only trusted me more, you wouldn't have been scared. But I really don't think that's what's going on. I think the disciples were scared because this is a scary situation. And I think Jesus led them into it on purpose so that they might experience fear so he can teach them what to do with their fear. I think the problem actually has to do with what is the posture of their hearts when they cry out to Jesus. Because what else are we supposed to do when we're scared other than cry out to Jesus? 
The scriptures are filled with crying out to God. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. But the problem is in their hearts. You remember what they say to him when they wake him up? Do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, do you not care? The problem of their faith is not that they didn't have faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Their problem is they, they didn't believe that Jesus cared for them. They didn't believe that Jesus would provide for them. They didn't believe that Jesus in the boat was enough. And what I want you guys to see and what I'm trying to learn more and more is that no matter what is going on in your life that's bringing you to places of fear, Jesus in the boat with you is more than enough. It's everything. The problem is that it was leaving them in the, in the opposite direction of what the Bible says about fear. The Bible talks about fear a ton. The most, you've heard me talk about this before if you've come to RUF, the most common command in the Bible is what? Do not fear, do not be afraid. And every single time, the same reason is given. I'm with you. I call it the Psalm 23 effect. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They forgot that it's enough that Jesus be with them in the boat. And they started to believe that Jesus doesn't see them, that Jesus doesn't care for them, that Jesus in the boat with them is not enough. One of the ways that we, we completely miss out on the life that God is inviting us to is when we think that Jesus being with us, Jesus drawing near to us, Jesus caring for us is the means we need to accomplish the end of surviving the storm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get through life. We're trying to solve our problems. We're trying to conquer and prevail through the difficult circumstances. And the thing we need to do that is Jesus. That is not life. The truth of life is that Jesus near to you is the ends. Jesus near to you is the prize. Jesus near to you is the pot of gold. Jesus near to you is the ultimate good. Jesus near to you is far more than surviving the storm. In fact, eventually you won't survive the storm. Meaning eventually every one of us won't make it anymore. Every one of us will die. <laughs> and as you see in the Gospels that even there, even in death, Jesus is with you. That even death cannot separate you from the great, great love of our Savior. That's why Paul can say things later on in the New Testament like, I rejoice in my sufferings. I actually like it when hard things happen because in those moments I experience the nearness of Jesus and that's what it's all about. It's why he can say in Romans 8 that God works all things together for our good. It's one of those passages that we love to talk about, but when you think about it in the context of your actual life, it can make you furious because there's things in life that are not good, right? There's things in life that are painful, that are broken, that are frustrating, that are hurtful, that are failures, that are rejections. And the Bible says those are for your good. God's going to work those for your good. Do you know why? It's because it is in those kind of moments that we have a renewed and growing experience of the nearness of Jesus. And that is the best thing that there is. And there's a sense that which Jesus is always near us, of course. He's always with us. 
And then there's this special sense that we see this in Psalm 34. This is my favorite verse of the Bible. God is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. There's a sense to where in our brokenness, in our pain, in our fears, he's especially near to us. He makes himself known to us more and more. So when Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's saying, don't you know that I'm with you and that I'm enough for you? He's saying, don't you know who I am? One of, the, one of the crazy things about this story, it's one of the most impressive miracles. It, I think it's a little more impressive than changing water into wine. I think it's a little more impressive than healing one person. We're talking about power over the epic forces of nature with just the sound of his voice. But even the miracle is not the point here. The point is to say, the point of this whole miracle is to say, the one who has power over the wind and the waves, the one who parted the Red Sea and saved a nation, the one through whom the whole earth was created by the word of his power, don't forget that's the one who's with you. Don't forget that's the one that's with you. That's the one who's in the boat of life with you in the storm. And we know even more than the disciples did in this moment, because we know that Jesus died, hung on a cross, enduring the outpoured wrath of God all on himself, the wrath that should have gone to me and to you so that we're free of punishment from sin, so we can be forgiven, that Jesus silenced and rebuked even death when he left the tomb on the third day. The one who is greater than even death, that's the one who's in the boat with you. We're filled with fear, We're hurting, our life is chaotic, but the one who's with us is the Holy One. Strong in battle, mighty to save the Creator who died to save you. He's the one who's with you. And it really is scary. Life really is scary. Jesus said, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to come to me with your fears because I'm going to be with you. Don't forget who's in the boat with you. So what he's inviting us into is is trusting Jesus, trusting him with our fears in the midst of the chaos of our life. And and what I want to suggest by by way of application here as I kind of come to the end is that this can inform the way that we pray and then this can inform the way that we relate to one another as friends, okay? And and, and here's what I mean. What, what What this reality, what this invitation to trust Jesus with, the truth of our fear does is it allows us to be honest with him first. It allows us to ask for what we need and it invites us to confess what we aspire to believe. Okay, so here's what I mean. First, it, it, it allows us to be honest with him. It teaches us to pray things like, Lord, I'm struggling with these painful things in my life and I'm really scared. Lord, I've got this relationship going on. I have no idea where it's leading. I feel totally out of control. I'm really freaked out. I am afraid. Jesus, I, am, I feel out of control. I feel powerless. Things are happening to me that I don't like. I'm really scared of what might happen next. I'm scared. And in fact, the Psalms are kind of filled with this sort of language that teaches us that God actually invites us to be honest with him about our fear and about our pain. He allows us to be honest. And then the second thing he invites us to do is to ask for what we need. And what we need, what I've said is the greatest thing is to him to be near to us. So it's saying a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, you say that you're with me. Please help me experience that 
today, I really need it today? Is that the kind of prayer you feel comfortable praying, asking him to show you his nearness, to give you an experience of his nearness? And, and I'll tell you this. One of the things that you hear me encourage you to do all the time is to spend time reading your Bible and praying to God. And I want to remind you, and, and, and this may be a thing that uh, is confusing for Christians and maybe confusing if you're looking from the outside if you're not a Christian. Christians don't read our Bibles and pray because we're supposed to. We, we read our Bibles and pray because it is through those things that we experience the nearness of Jesus. And that's what enables us to live in this world that's full of fear. It's one of the things I am most thankful for about Christianity. It is the system of belief. It is the, it is the religion. It is the faith that is most safe to live in and be afraid. Because Jesus says, I will be with you. This is why it's important to cultivate time in your life where you read God's word and then you just try to sit and be still. Because it's in those moments of stillness that we work out this, this muscle that is hard to do that feels the reality that Jesus is with you. He's not metaphorically with you. He's not symbolically with you. He's really here. He's really here. He's really here. And when you start to pay attention to that, it will overwhelm you. And the words that we just sang about the overwhelming love of God will start to become more and more true for you in a, in a daily way as we start to pay attention to what's true. And so we need to ask for it. And then the, and then the last thing is to confess what we aspire to believe. This is where it uh, sort of feels like faking it till you make it. I call it preach it till you reach it. <laughs> Jesus, you are with me and you are enough. It's the kind of prayer you pray when you don't quite feel it yet. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to say what we aspire to believe. And then I'll say this about, about friendship. I, I hope and I pray that you have the kind of friends that are safe enough to be honest about your fears, that know the things that you're going through, the chaos in your life, the pain of your life, the places where you feel out of control, this leading into that panic. I hope you have friends that know about it. And I hope those are the kind of friends, I hope God is providing with the kind of friends who instead of trying to solve it for you, or instead of trying to convince you to tough it out, or instead of pretending that it's not that big of a deal, actually say, yes, that is really scary, but Jesus is with you and he's enough. I hope you have those kind of friends. I hope you have that kind of boyfriend or that kind of girlfriend. I hope those are the kind of people you have in your life because life's scary. And we need each other to remind us, to point us towards what's true, that the only prize in the midst of this world is that Jesus is with us and he's enough. Spiritual maturity is not outgrowing your fears. It's a growing awareness of the nearness of Jesus with you. That's what spiritual maturity is. There's this uh, dog named Fluffy in the first Harry Potter book. Fluffy is a giant three-headed dog whose, whose job is to guard this, this entrance to this place that the main characters and even the bad guys of Harry Potter are trying to get to. And this dog is uh, scary. He's basically unbeatable. There's no way to curse him. There's no way to kill him. And he's got three sets of eyes. He's got three noses. He's got three sets of teeth on three necks. Like he's, he's vicious and he's always watching. And there's, there's a moment where they open the door and they see him and it looks like he's asleep. But as soon as they pop in the door, he wakes up, right? Jesus looks like he's asleep. 
Jesus really is asleep, but he's not as he seems. That even in this moment, he has not ceased to watch over his disciples. Even in this moment, he has not ceased to see them and to care for them. His promise to provide for them and to be with them has, has not ceased. The, the RUF leadership team, you hear us announcing RUF leadership team. Uh, training fest is going to start probably on March 10th if you want to come check it out. Leadership team meets, meets at my house on Sundays, and we, we have dessert, and we have a time of, of uh, worship, and then we have uh, some, some sort of discussion. And we opened our time of worship this, this past Sunday, two days ago, with Psalm 121. It's a psalm that says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And, and then the Psalm 21, 121 says this, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Jesus died and rose again, and he sleeps no more. He is always watching you. He always cares for you. He will always provide you with what you most need. What we need faith to believe is the best thing we could ever have, even in the midst of of chaos and fear, his, his presence with us and near us. At, at the end of the story, we read that the disciples were filled with fear, which is sort of an ironic thing. It's one of the things that's lost in translation is that there's fear used twice, but it's actually two different Greek words. That that first fear, why are you so afraid, it, it sort of has the connotation of being frightened, like being alarmed, like being afraid of something. It's kind of that sense of like the cowardice that you feel when you're frightened. But the second fear, that they were filled with fear, that's that God-fearing, that's the kind of reverence and awe. Like when you hear that someone is really God-fearing, they, they have that reverence and they have that awe of God. Jesus invites, him, invites us, you and me, to trust our fears with him, to bring them to him. And as he does so, he gives us himself so that we're filled more and more with that kind of awe and wonder of this God who is the strongest force in the universe. He's the one who's in the boat with you, and he's enough. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you promised to be in the boat with us in the storm of life. Thank you that you are near. And Lord, you see us and you know how scary it is. You know how chaotic our hearts and minds and relationships and circumstances and how uncertain our futures are. You know the places of fear. Thank you that you're okay with it. That you don't demand that we pretend not to feel it. Instead, you promise what we really need, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. I pray that you would grow our faith, that we would learn to come to you, to trust you with our fears, and that you would give us the kind of friends who would remind us of the truth, that you're with us and you're enough. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.